0: My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue?
1: It rather denotes a lack of courage.
0: You've just entered the cool friend hour.
1: everybody do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate well then you're in the right place welcome to the ghoul friend hour i'm your host morgan fezza let's get weird <coughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Fezza. And today we have a guest I'm super excited to have on. We have Daryl Marston. Is that how you say it?
0: Yeah, that's how you say it.
1: All right. I always got to make sure because I butcher last names. Um, (laughs) But he is an author. He is a co-lead investigator for the ghost hunters um he has if and correct me if any of this is wrong but break breaking paranormal
0: breaking parent yeah that was my old team that i started yeah
1: okay okay um and then the book that he um is the author of is the horrors of the house of wills which is notoriously haunted whatever you want to call it but it's a great book so we'll get into that um but before I digress I'm gonna pass the torch to you and let you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself
0: yeah well guys I mean if you don't know me by now um my name is a uh, Daryl Marston I've been a paranormal investigator uh ghost hunter however you want to say it for the last almost Nineteen years now, going on twenty years, and uh, I am from uh, Middletown, Delaware, which a lot of people already know. And uh, it's—I uh, got into this by a complete accident, which people don't understand or don't realize. Uh, I was—I um, was never a paranormal buff or anything like that. Um, I actually, back in two thousand five, got invited to a um, quote-unquote Halloween event at a place called Fort Delaware here in Delaware. Um, I went there actually with my mom who had, who had no one to go with. I'm not sure if she won the tickets or bought the tickets at the time, but um, she had no one to go with her. So my stepsister and myself went and uh, I went. I came away from that location. My first ever investigation, it was only maybe three or four hours long. Um, I came away from that um, as a complete believer in the paranormal because I actually witnessed a apparition. Um, I should wow. say half body apparition, and people want. People ask, well, "What do you mean half body?" Well, when I say half body, um, I could always see from the chest up. They had I, I saw no lower uh, portion of the body, uh, so it was just from base, basically the shoulders up. Um, I'll never forget. I'm the only one who saw it at the time because I was the only one pointing in that direction. There was five of us down in. Um, In this one section of fort delaware and uh what i saw was a man standing there in a hallway staring back at us at first i didn't it didn't you know compute with me that i wasn't seeing the lower half of him at first i thought maybe he was a reenactor or something of that nature because he um he was just standing there staring and then i noticed he didn't have a lower portion of his body and what i saw was um a man with shoulder length, maybe a little bit longer scraggly hair and a very disheveled beard. And I remember seeing, and what really stuck out to me was I could see debris in his beard, like dirt or like dried up leaves or something. Like he, he looked like he was probably hadn't bathed in a year, maybe longer. Oh my gosh. Um, he looked very distraught, emaciated. His face was emaciated. But I only saw him for maybe nine or 10 seconds and he kind of what really blew my mind was he kind of shrunk and he it looked like something almost pulled him backwards and he shrunk into a ball and was gone wow uh, i didn't say anything at the time because i didn't want anybody to think i was crazy uh because i'd never experienced anything like that so i uh basically um i walked away from it that night after that like knowing that somehow some way I wanted to recreate what I had seen and so I started reading books like I think I remember back in 2005 the internet wasn't huge like it is now so it wasn't like you could just go on social media and find stuff so yeah you're searching the internet for you know paranormal stuff and paranormal videos and I started like hitting all the bookstores like Barnes and Noble and places like that to buy books on the paranormal and uh that's what I did. And next thing I knew, I was out investigating on my own. I didn't have a team. I didn't join a team. I knew nothing about that. I didn't even know there were such things as these paranormal teams. I didn't know the shows were, you know, just, just starting up. They'd only been out for a couple of years, like Ghost Hunters. And I think Ghost Adventures may have been just starting up back then. And uh, that was the only things on TV to watch when it came to paranormal compared to today. Whether you know, it's on every channel almost. Yeah. So... Um, I, I started, um, just doing my own thing and it built from there. I um, started dating my wife a couple years after that and she never did it before, but she was really into it. She, she thought it was interesting. So she started investigating with me and we would just do like locations in Delaware. Um, we would travel to like Gettysburg a lot, do a lot of the places in Gettysburg, which is only about two hours from me. And, um, that's how I grew. And then around 2011, uh, I decided I wanted to start my own team, you know, kind of expand a little bit and start reaching out to other states. So I I met some people that I've been talking to um, through social media up in uh, Ohio, um, and then came good friends of mine, uh, Greg and Steph, and uh, grabbed a friend of mine from Delaware here, and uh, we started investigating. We started a team called Breaking Paranormal, and that grew into a podcast that became the American Ghost Hunter Show. That the first year or so kind of starved. It was, you know, didn't have a lot of views or anything. We were on YouTube and then we kind of branched out and started doing Facebook Lives uh, through a company called Paranormal Warehouse. And um, Paranormal Warehouse is where it grew. It really blew up there. And that's where uh, Ghost Hunters found me, the producers from Ghost Hunters. And uh, next thing I know, I'm on Ghost Hunters and traveling the country investigating. That's where yeah. I'm at yeah. now.
1: Yes, and we're so happy that you are because, I mean, I've been a longtime fan of Ghost Hunters. Um, I just love, you know, especially if you can't travel yourself, we live vicariously through you. Um, And I speak on behalf of all my spooky peeps. You know, we like to see the locations that you do. And um, if I remember correctly, because I do feel like I had watched a couple lives, um, you would do like the paranormal, you would do like live investigations, right? On Facebook Live?
0: Yeah, yeah. We watched, yeah, not all the time, we basically did where we um, we started out as just maybe a talk show, kind of like we're doing here, um, we would have, you know, paranormal celebrities on air, and, and some people that no one knew, you know, authors and things of that nature, and it, re- it was more like a comedy act, more than anything, uh, the show, because in my my two of my co-hosts were from England, so the American <laughs> Ghost Show was, it was like, okay, well, they're from England, but I'm American, And then my other co-host, Greg, was an American. So uh, we just ran with it and it it really built up its own community, which was really cool to watch because we would go from having like when we first started out, maybe a week, 100 people would watch. And the first night on Paranormal Warehouse, um, it it jumped up to where we were having 17, 1,800 people watching live at a time. And then it grew all the way from that about a year or two later where it grew up to we are having anywhere from 16 to 20,000 people watching live, which wow. was it's 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 crazy. And that's live. Um, and you would have I mean, you have the chat line going where I'd actually have have to have people reading the chat line to me because I couldn't keep up with it. You're trying to answer questions. And it was impossible to do. But um, right during the you know, the, the heyday, of all that's when Ghost Hunters reached out to me and were like, hey, uh, we would like to. Um, They didn't even tell me it was Ghost Hunters at this time. I just got a, uh, I remember getting a phone call from a producer named Nick out of uh, of LA from uh, Pilgrim. And he was like, hey, we like to uh, interview for a uh, TV show. And I'm like, "Ah, okay, whatever. And and (laughs) yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah. And cause at the time it was crazy. I would, I was bashing the shows like left and right on my show. I was like, you know, cause I, at that point, probably when i went to ghost hunters i hadn't watched a paranormal show in at least five years because i was just like they're doing all the same places they're you know it's it's like one show does eastern states this week and the next one's the eastern states this week and or they're at you know western uh, west virginia state penitentiary and it did kept like you kept seeing the same crap and like you
1: yeah.
0: you know and you got tired of it and like so i walked away from it and, as it was just, I was doing my thing, you know, I, and everything else I was like oblivious to. And, um, so yeah, and I, and I, I sat there and I told people for a long, I'll never do a paranormal show, blah, 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 not thinking that I was going to be on one and, you know, never say never. That's I was thing. just
1: going to say that <laughs> yeah,
0: never say never, because it, it happened. Um, and it happened really fast when it happened, it was like, I'm getting calls and doing you know Skype and Zoom interviews with you know these producers. And next thing I know, I'm being fly, flown out to LA to sign contracts. And next thing I know, a couple of weeks later, I'm on the road filming for you know weeks at a time. So yeah, it it, it was very it happened very fast when it did.
1: Yeah, and so how um, did you did you have kids? Do you have kids?
0: Yes, I have five. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness, you got a big old household there.
0: Yes. Well, they're, most of them are grown now. The youngest is 11. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, but how did you, um, I know this may not be like the typical question, but how did you balance, you know, such a drastic change overnight and like, um, well, I
0: definitely had to sit down with my wife with it, you know, and and make sure it was okay with her because she had a full-time job at at the, at the time she worked for bank of America and, uh, she wasn't happy with her job anyway. And being that I was going to be on the road, you know, and, you know, I was basically, you know, not to, you know, throw this out there, but I was basically making what two or three people make, you know, so she didn't have to work it. You know, she could quit her job at that point, just be a stay-at-home mom. So that's, um, that's where, you know, it was easier for her to stay home because, he, you know, Tristan, I'm not Tristan, Aaron at the time was, when I went on Ghost Hunters, he was seven, seven or, yeah, seven or eight, so he was, you know, he's very young, and uh, so it was nice for her to be able to stay home and get him on and off the bus and do all the schoolwork and stuff, and yeah, so it worked out oh, fine. It was just, good. a way, you know, it just, it, it. I think the hard part was just being away for so long, because you, re- you think, okay, you're filming a TV show, you don't think about this when you I I hear all these people want you know saying I go to these events and stuff and I do these these appearances and people oh, I love to be on the show you like to be on a show until you're on a show because if you have a family you're literally away for sometimes three or four weeks at a time like you don't yeah. see them you're flying you're literally you're flying out to one location week after week like you' you'll be say in California this week the next week you'll be in Maine the week after that you're in Texas the week after that you're in Alaska and yeah. it's like, you're getting, you're living out of a suitcase. You're jumping from one plane to the next, from one car to the next, driving it, flying it, whatever. So you're, the people you're on the show with and the production company who's out there with you, they become your like second family. So, you know, then you go back to your, your, your real family, you know, and you miss them dearly. You really do. It's, it's hard. Yeah. So when you get home, you want to, you don't want to leave. You know, you're yeah. home you can <laughs> And so you're vegging for, you know, a week or two until you fly out again and it flies by, it's, it's, it's very quick. Yeah.
1: That's why I had to ask that. Cause I know like it's gotta be, cause obviously you're very well known. um, And I, I know some people don't like the term famous, but you're very well known in the supernatural community. Um, And I know that that, you know, with that, it comes with a price. And so it's hard, you know, one the investigations from what I've heard just from talking to people are absolutely exhausting but then to be doing that kind of back to back to back and be hopping you know on flights and driving and yeah. you know that I mean that has to take a toll so I'm always just curious you know I love that you're so down to earth you're so you just seem very well balanced which is nice because I feel like some people um you know when they they get to a certain level there is a sense of um yeah big yeah, headedness <laughs> i'm like trying to find the right word um no, no, and, you're right. You're you know right. so i it's see it. Yeah. just yeah. kind of being able to see you know how well balanced you are just curiosity as to how you were able to balance that and so i mean um i'm sure that was a big decision for you guys to make
0: well yeah and, and people are also don't realize too it's like you know they think on these tv shows like okay Oh, they start filming when it gets dark and when it's, you know, in three or four o'clock in the morning, they are out the door. No, we we were filming like, you know, 15, 16 hour days. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a light day to us was 12 hours. And that would be like, oh, my God, we get tw- it's only 12 hours a day. We get to go back to the hotel and, and have dinner and <laughs> have pranks. Oh, my like, God, what are we going to do with ourselves? But, yeah, I mean, we were literally, I mean, we sometimes we'd be on, we would be on site, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning and we wouldn't leave until, you yeah, almost 6 a.m. the next day. And that was wow. for a week straight, you did that. And then you have one day off and then the next day was travel day. So you'd be traveling to wherever, like on Sunday, you'd be traveling to wherever you're going next. So yeah. Oh it's,
1: my it, gosh. Yeah, I give you kudos because yeah. I'm lucky if I make it past like 9 p.m. at night. Like I'm no, like, I'm I like thought... Same here.
0: Yeah, I mean, these days I'm just like, oh my God, this to pass out <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night, but... Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's crazy. It's a crazy life, it really is. Um, you God bless the people who do it all the time, and I tell you, I it's kudos it to anybody who does it because it's. I know the life. I've been there. I've done it. Um, I still do it to an extent these days with you know all my travel with the events and appearances and stuff. And I tell you, it, it's it can be it can be rough. It really can.
1: And since you kind of touched on events, um, I'm going to kind of like segue a little bit because I had just kind of started, when I started this podcast, I started looking into like attending more um, like paracons and things of that sort, um, because like I just have really... um, kind of just come out of like my spiritual box so so to say Um, Mm -hmm. and I really am eager to learn a lot about the supernatural and dive into different cultures and different religions and I guess kind of where I'm going is do you have a favorite like a paranormal conference or just a conference in general that you think is super worth uh, attending that has like a lot of great um, vendors and speakers
0: um, I mean I've done so many, but uh, honestly, I and, and I'm not gonna I, I won't stand here and knock anybody, but uh I, I like doing my pers- my private events, the ones like companies hire me out for because you have more one-on-one with the community. Okay. Um and you can you you can showcase yourself. You go to some of these bigger events where you're just a number and you're just sitting at a table all day. And as people come and go, I don't know if you're going to really learn a lot. You might get, honestly, you might get just more discouraged by meeting some of the other people. um, Okay. Okay. No,
1: that's good. I like the transparency. (laughs) Yeah.
0: uh, It it, it can be. Uh, At my level, though, it's just like, you know, you're there, company, you know, hires you to come out and do these things. You do your thing. You sign autographs, blah, 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 and you're out the door. Uh, you, but you you watch some of the vendors. Um, they do some of them do very well, uh, but it's it, it's such a rat race. And I, quite honestly, sticking to yourself and being yourself and um doing your own thing is best in this business. Okay. if you understand what I mean, yeah. um, because there's a lot of people out there who want, to, you know, they they want to discourage, they want to beat up one other people and they want to bully them and it's 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 hard to to watch sometimes it really is yeah
1: yeah very doggy dog which i mean that sucks
0: so yeah you well know, that's it's in everything in life I mean, yeah you know, business but i just like to commit that sometimes the para- paranormal community can be fucked. it can be rough it can yeah. be really rough and and to watch it and watch you know the the the, um, the the name calling and the, you know, the, just the finger pointing and stuff, you know, watching it from afar, just like, wow. I'm just yeah. so glad. When I was doing it at that level, I didn't like, I had no idea of anybody who, anybody else existing except for me. Like, yeah. I just, Do
1: you think I, there was more of a sense of community?
0: Um, I think it's... <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I, I heard the stories, you know, you hear you, know, you, you hear from people. But like I said, when I was doing it at that level, I was like, I stuck to myself. I like all I did was investigate. Like I, you know, I would run out of property, investigate it. And then I did my show, my podcast. And it was just my world. It was like, yeah. like a lot, like a lot. what well, you'll see these YouTubers that do their thing. Like, it's just their world. They don't care about anything else that's going on. They don't care about what Joe Schmo over here is doing or this guy's doing. They just do their own thing and they have their own community. They have their own followers. And that's what's so great about that. Just staying to yourself, being your own person, not trying. And I'm not saying not try to um, branch out and and make your contacts or anything like that. But it's just you got to watch the people you make contact with. You really got to really do. You got to kind of like stand back and watch for a while before you, you know, approach some of these people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Um, one of my, <laughs> one of my biggest worries actually, when I started the podcast was kind of nervous. Cause you always hear the saying, you know, uh, never meet your idols. And yeah. like from a young age, I have been obsessed with ghost shows. I've been obsessed with, um, just, like all the supernatural community kind of uh pioneers so yeah. it's like you know like i always get nervous when somebody says yeah like i'll be on the podcast because i'm like oh my gosh i hope they're like really nice or <laughs> i hope it's not awkward like so it's it's really nerve-wracking because i feel like you never really know what to expect um yeah but- you don't
0: you don't uh, i think that when i was when i was doing the podcast uh, The first, like, big name person I had on my show who reached out to me was uh, Nick Groff. And I always always give Groff, uh, I hear people just, you know, you always hear this shit. Like, I always give him all the credit in the world because he took the time out of his schedule, his busy schedule, to come on my podcast and to talk. And he was, he was, he was awesome. He was amazing. And I've had other people like Katrina and things like that. They were on my show they were all amazing. Like all people I had on my show were, and I'm still friends with a lot of these people, like, you know, and it's, y- you'll you see a lot of the people on TV, people are the more down to earth because they have done the proof.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: they have and honestly, that's
1: what I've been the most surprised by, because I felt like, like, and don't laugh at me. I mean, you can, but I, when you responded to me, I remember like I was in the car with my husband. I was like, oh my gosh I was like I can't <laughs> believe he's like is like agreeing to be on my podcast and I was like well you know some of the like I had Chris McKinnell on I've had Ralph Sarchi on uh Ralph Sarchi I was a huge huge fan of um and I felt like a lot of these people who I was really nervous like I was like they're never going to answer me like I'm like this is I'm shooting my shot but <laughs> that's and, why
0: I always got so many people on my show because like people would ask me like how do you get all these great people on your show? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta reach out to them. All yeah. they can say, no, we're not answer you. Yeah, um, and that's it. I mean, there, you, it, nothing else can happen besides that. And I used to reach out to everybody. Like I would, I would email, I'd find emails, or I would, you know, message them on social media or whatever. And nine times out of ten, I always got a response back, and I always got a yes. And it just, you just have to, you have to go for what you want. You have to really reach out and go for it. And that will lead you to so many better things and so many doors will open for you. You start doing that because you start getting a name, especially if you have a good podcast or or live feed or whatever. They're going to tell other people. And then our people are like, OK, yeah, let's do it. You know, and uh, you start getting that following and then everybody wants to be on your show. Like for the first year or so, I was like, it was like for me, because I did it for almost five years, the podcast thing where I it was struggle. Like you're just trying to get anybody on the show. I, I even heard Joe Rogan say this once was like, his first year of his show, in which his show is just huge.
1: Yes. But he's
0: huge belief, huge. Um, his first year of his show, he was just taking anybody he could find to come on the show, to build the show. Okay. And then after that, it was like, it starts leveling out. And it got to the point with me, and I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, where people started reaching out to me, where I was booked out almost two years in advance, year and a half to two years in advance, because wow. people wanted to get on the show. And it just it leveled itself out. I wasn't contacting anybody like I would say, hey yeah, I'd love to have your show but you I can't have you until April of next year or whatever and um that's what will happen. you just keep doing what you're doing and next thing you know because I know you're, you're you're still pretty new at this um yeah. but you you got a you know, good head on your shoulders it seems so it seems like you know you're gonna you're gonna contact people for the next year or so, but I guarantee. <laughs> Once they start seeing the people you got on your show, it'll start building itself and your community will build around it and people will start reaching out to you to be on your show. Yeah.
1: That makes me feel better. I'm like, that was definitely the the little inspirational kind of speech that I needed today because <laughs> I feel like I've been plugging away and I've, you know, every day I kind of set a goal to like reach out to at least five to 10 people. And I just feel like if you can break through that barrier, you know, social media has been a, has been a great free marketing, free source of contacts. And so I'm super thankful for that. Um right. But enough about me, I want to dig in to some of your um, cases. So it's funny, I listened to a couple of podcasts that you were on, um, and just in doing my research, I wanted to talk about um, your book, The Horrors of the House of Wills, and kind of start there as one of, from what I heard you say on the podcast, one of the places that like you were like, "I'm I'm not going to do that again, because it was so just nuts and, and just dark, I guess. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to kind of fill the listeners in on what that was like and what kind well, of inspired the book.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, for me to sit down and write a book about it, it had to be pretty bad. Um, it, yeah. Cause I mean, I've been talking about this location for seventy years now, different radio shows and podcasts and things of that nature. And people like after the show it hit me up like, "Hey, you should write a book about this place." And like I'm like, "Whatever, whatever, whatever." And then when COVID hit um, around 2001, I, or 2021, excuse me, I sat down and I started like I had time like I said, I'm gonna write this book. So I just one day I started writing, and next thing I know, I'm three four months into it and i'm like i i'm done the book and like all right what do, what do i do with it now i've never you know, you know i never authored a book i've never you know pitched a book so i started pitching it around to um different uh publishers and you know i ended up with uh llewellyn worldwide and uh, which i'm very happy about because they've been very open to me and they've been very helpful um and they they grabbed the book up really quick and they started doing their part of it and um but this place um house of wills is what you gotta understand. I went into that, you know, I was about eight or nine years into investigating. So I thought at that point, like I've seen everything, I've done everything, blah 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 blah. And uh I heard about the house of wills. I was actually in Gettysburg investigating with a couple of friends that were out of um out of that part of Ohio, right outside of uh Cleveland, and um they were uh, like hey you know we investigate this location called the house of wills in cleveland and it's a funeral you know it's a it's a former funeral home and all this other stuff and they told they gave me the whole rundown of it i'm like and they were the things they were telling me were like out of a movie i'm like there's no way whatever and they finally talked me into it so about a month later i said okay we're gonna go check this place out so we went up and checked it out and i tell you um it, it in you know in so many words, it kicked my ass, uh, I've never investigated something like that, I wasn't prepared for it, I went in, um, I went in, you know, maybe carrying baggage, and I shouldn't have had, and it, it, uh, it really, um, it really got to me, and it started messing with my head when I was there, and it wasn't just me, it was everybody, and whatever was actually uh, followed me home, okay. and so Follow me home, which was something I never had had happen before. I didn't even know that was even possible. You hear about it, but I've never had it happen at that point. And it was very dark. Um, and it took several months to get rid of it. Uh, it was very bad. It was something you know that played havoc on my life and my family's life. Where I pretty much quit doing paranormal for a while. I, like wow. I was like, I'll never do it again. Which. You know, I lied to myself on that because I I decided you know three or four months after I had gotten rid of it, like I want to get back into this and and fight it and um and 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 not let it beat me because at that point it beat me and um so this place basically give you a little rundown of it. It was um, built by a thirty second degree mason back in the eighteen hundreds. They don't know the exact the exact. Date of when it was constructed. They know it was somewhere between like 1855 and 1890. Um, I even look back on the records to try to find an exact date. I could not find dates on when this place was actually built, but we do know the, the, um, the name of the architect. It's all in the book. Um, he was a 32nd degree Mason who was an architect in the Cleveland area at that time. And he had built many, many structures there that some of them are still standing. I think there's 27 buildings that are still standing that he had actually built. Um, so if you know anything about the Masons and the way they design properties or locations, they build them to harness energy. And that's how this building was, you know basically constructed. So once it was, you know, you know done, it was a German social club for many years, back turn of the century. Uh, there's rumors of it being a speakeasy, which I could not find anything on it. But also that probably wouldn't be on record if it was a speakeasy, uh, because if it was never, you know, rated or, you know, found, they would never have it on record anyway. Uh, it was a hospital at one point, And then around 1945, it became uh, a funeral home. Um, it became basically over several years it became Cleveland's largest African-American funeral parlor, funeral home and and basically morgue um and that's where it stayed all the way up into the early 2000s where when it got shut down it got shut down for uh malpractice and some other stuff uh the original owner mr wills died in 1971 that's where it gets the name the house of wills his last name Mm -hmm. was wills it got shut down in 1970 or he he passed away in 1971 he left it to his family his kids and over the next thirty or so years, they kind of ran it to the ground, and uh, it was not the place it was when he ran it. So you have that. It sat for almost ten years until a gentleman named Eric Freeman bought it around 2011, 2012. He, for people who don't know, and this is all public knowledge. I'm not saying anything that he's you know, the public's not aware of, and he's he's open to it. I've had. I've had to have meetings with him about it, you know, because I had to get his permission to write the book. He is the um, one of the head priests of the new satanic church of Satan. Um, and he has done rituals in a building. And I think that's why the building is so dark. Um, that's my opinion. That's um, that's only theory. But I'm not the only person that had these things happen to them. That I wrote the book about. Um, I've I've had quite a few conversations with different people who investigate the location, and they've all had the same experiences where something had followed them home. Something had you know tried to possess people on the team at the time it happened, and there's always been you know some kind of violence or some kind of issue that happened where people will refuse to go back to this location. I know film crews will go to this, this location, so it's very dark. It's unsettling. And, um, that's why I wrote the book about it.
1: I mean, rightfully so. Um, just looking at the pictures, the, um, I think it's called the auditorium. It's that notorious yeah. picture of kind of like the dome ceiling, just yeah. looking at it. I just feel like it just radiates like yeah. an energy to it. Like just through I, pictures.
0: Yeah. That's what I explain to people. Like when you walk into this property, it feels like you just walk through into water. Like it's thick and it, it, you you feel like you're walking into a whole different realm. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't even feel like it, it does. It feels the way I explain the property. I don't feel like the property is haunted. I feel like the property is the haunting. thing. The building is a living organism. That's how I explain it. That's how actually Eric Freeman explains it, the owner of the building. It feels like it's a living organism that breathes it, 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 it sucks the energy out of people, and it uses that energy to harnesses for itself to try to control. Um, and it's it's just such a dark feeling. It's like it's it's uh, you feel like you're in a dream state or a nightmare state the whole time you're there. Where like you literally have to leave the building, you know, about once an hour just to ground yourself outside because you feel like there's this presence on you, like, and it's like okay. It the only way, here's no way I can explain it to people is if you ever go to someone's house or you walk into a room where there's just been an argument or a fight, but it's not going on as you get there, but you can still feel that energy in the room. Got the
1: tension with a knife kind of per se.
0: Yes. It's, the whole building is like that. The mm. whole building. And it's not, and it's not in the best neighborhood. East Cleveland, anybody knows East Cleveland. I'm not telling anything that anybody doesn't know. It's very, it's a very bad section of town. Um, there's a lot of drive-bys and drugs and stuff of that that goes on there right outside the doors of that property. Um, so you have all that. So you know, I, I explain to people, out, outside the building is just as bad as inside the building when you go there. It's the only place that I've ever been to where I actually, it, it, I heard rumors of this before I got there, but I didn't believe it. People will be walking down the street. These are the people who live in the community in the neighborhood they'll be walking down the sidewalk and they'll cross over i sat there and watched it they'll cross the sidewalk go to the other side of the street to pass the building they won't walk directly in front of it that's the whole community i sat there one day for about 20 minutes people just walking down the street getting maybe you know a couple hundred yards of the place crossing the street just to walk the other side of the sidewalk to go past it it's it's crazy it's it's well known in that part of cleveland and there's some parts in the book that i write about where there's certain people uh community leaders that tried to actually burn the building down several years ago Mm -hmm. with where they didn't you know they weren't able to do it because it's still standing but um they actually broke into the building while eric was in the building and they tried to burn it down with him in it
1: oh my Um, gosh
0: yeah so that's all in the book there's it's 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 why it's labeled paranormal horror because it's, it's a true story. Um, and there's, it, it, there's a, there's not, it's just not, it's not just, you know, your, your average haunting where, you know, things are getting, getting moved and stuff of that nature or you're seeing things. You're having all that plus this outside influence of, you know, this, you know the new satanic church of Satan. You have this outside influence of the people who try to do harm there um there's been several murders there on the property as well just over the last 8 to 10 years um so there's a lot going on there a lot still to this day
1: that's insane i mean i i know like i don't know if you guys have really i'm sure you have your theories about what's kind of like you know you said the building is like living but do you think that maybe that there's also demonic forces maybe trap spirits do you think there could possibly be a portal or do you think it just truly is that this building um is just what it is and
0: i i, I hate going around demonic and stuff like that because i mean i do believe in demons i don't believe there is prevalent as some of the tv shows make them out to be
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, i feel this place is a, a, an energy that. It's it's not human. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone was human. I think it's, a lot of this energy has been you know, manifested by the, the rituals and things that have been going on in the building, mm-hmm. um, it, along with the spirits that are, were there before that. You know, in the community, people who you know died there. Um, like I said, you know, it was so many different layers. It's, you know, like an onion with these different layers of the German social club. It was a hot, uh, hospital. It was a speakeasy. It was, you know, Masonic temple. It was all these different things. Um, and then you have, you know, the, the, the um, Cleveland's largest uh, African-American funeral home for 50 some years. Yeah. So it's, there's so many layers and you have the outside influences of the community, how it's, you know, it's, it, it's in, it's a, it's not the best community. It's it really is. It's very, you know, there's a lot of gang related activity, there's shootings, there's drive-bys. We you know, kind of like
1: the perfect feeding spot. It like, is. It's the yeah. perfect
0: storm. It is. You have all, and that's, and this is one of the reasons This was the reason for the gentleman, the, um, the community activist, I should say, who gathered his, his followers or his troops to come in and try to burn the property down because he blamed, and not just him, I'm sure other people blamed all the problems of, of East Cleveland on the House of Wills. They blamed it on that property. All the murders, all the drug addictions, all the drive-bys was because of the House of Wills. Um, so it was this epicenter or this this beaking of evil that was, you know, kind of um, overlooking the community, the neighborhood. and it was drawing, it was making all this dark energy. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's dark energy in that building. I've seen it. I've been there. I've seen what it's done to other people, including myself. Um, as far as making East Cleveland what it is, I, I can't, you know, account for that. But yeah. I can tell you, there is something bad there. Um, it's something where you know, I I don't want to go back if I ever did. I did go back one time since then, about a year after that, but I didn't investigate. I was just in Cleveland at the time. I was passing through Cleveland and uh, got invited to come back. And it literally took me about a half hour before I walk in the building. Like, I sat in the vehicle like, do I want to do this? And I and I only went as far as the front foyer. And I didn't yeah. go any further than that. Um, as a, there was, you know, it was during the day and there was people there. So... Um, that was it. That was the extent of my return. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy place. Um, It really is.
1: That just sounds terrifying. That, (laughs) you know, it's, I I can't imagine. Um, And like, I just feel like, uh, it's funny because I had, I just had a Bishop James Long on here. And one of the things that he said, um, and it's so simple, but he was like, you know, if you go looking kind of for evil, like, don't be surprised if you find it. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand the dangers of places like this. You know, you have a lot of, um, and it's not to say that this is a bad thing, because obviously I think it's great that the supernatural community is coming to light and it's becoming more popular and people are more believing than they were, I would say but you have a lot of um dabbling and amateurs and people who will march right into a place like that and think that they can conquer the world and then you know kind of get their ass handed to them and then it's like or even worse you know they could end up in a really bad spot you know maybe even death and so like that kind of stuff is terrifying especially I mean I honestly did not really know about this place until I started kind of diving into you a little bit more um and the more that i read about it i was like people really like i hope that they know that this is like not something to be played with because yeah well I, I got a lot of
0: people who ask me like when i go to do like appearances events and they're together then the, the, it'll come up about the house of wills and they'll ask how do you get there you know how, what should how, who do i reach out to i said you don't you don't go there you, you you don't you're not ready for that i wasn't ready for it i'd been doing this for eight or ten years at the point um, you're not ready for it. And honestly, I don't think anybody ever will be ready for it. Um, it's not one of those kind of locations that you just want to go. Would you, uh, okay, if you want to, let's say, if you want a free trip to uh, Afghanistan, would you go? No. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't go to the House of Wills. No. Uh, if, if, you, if you can help it. Uh, unless you, you think that you've got what it takes, go for it. Uh, I... I, I
1: <laughs> i'm like yeah, I, I feel like you can be very humbled
0: <laughs> it, it humbled me it made me yeah. a, it made me a boot i okay when i left there within a month of me leaving there i found god really quick like i was never like i always believed in god and jesus and in Yeshua and everything but i was not like a a guy who did prayers and things of that nature i was not that guy i didn't talk to god i didn't like i didn't search him out um, and I found him really quick after that location, because that's one of the things that probably really saved me from that location is, is finding him and, and praying every day. And I still do the, to this day, two or three times a day and thank him for that because it's what pulled me out of it. Um, it, I've never felt anything like that and I never want to feel it again. Even, I mean, I, have actually been thinking about going back cause I'll be in Cleveland, on October thirteenth for a book signing, I was thinking about doing something there. But the more I think about it, I'm like, do I want to do something? Do I want during
1: like, October too? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, like, and I know there's people who come. I know there are people who want to come, and like, but is is it worth it? Is it worth me going back there? And even the publishing company is like, they want me to go back, and like possibly do a sequel at some point and, and, and write about it. And I'm like, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know if I, I want that. Um, but we'll see, we'll, we'll see. <laughs>
1: do you, do you mind me asking what was one of the first things that happened that kind of notified you like red flag? I think I brought something home with me.
0: Um, well, it's all in the book, but I'll give you a little tidbit. Uh, what really set me off? that something wasn't right was the first day well, besides what happened to me there which is in the book it's crazy um but like all these darker type hauntings or you want to call them demonic whatever you don't know something's happening until it's too late yeah. it's like you don't know like you'll go to like people think it's it's just gonna jump out at you and, and say you oh, I'm a demon but it doesn't do that if you if it's a true demonic haunting, it's, it, by the time you find out nine, nine times out of 10, it's too late, it's already, cause they're they're very, like these demonic type stuff is very, it's patient, it, it has, it does have, it doesn't know time like we do. Yeah. Um So it could take us time and it could take years, months, weeks, whatever. Um, What really set me off is the day I, like all the way back from the location, the size of, you know, the stuff that happened there, it felt like the ride back with me and my my friend Keith, who went with me, he's in the book, um, that something was in the back seat with us. And it wasn't just me that's feeling, I could tell he was feeling it too. And it felt like a child. It was weird, but not Ooh. like, a, it was like, I just kept picturing a, a a child. That's all I could say. But when I got home, like I was so like beat and tired. I, I actually took a nap on a couch the first day back. And I think what really kind of like set off that something was going on was um, trying to think what I should tell you not to get away too much. Um, The flies.
1: Okay.
0: I was in my garage um, and it was the same. It was the the second day I was back. I was in my garage and just felt off. I really felt off. And I'm, never being in my garage and I've never had a problem with bugs or anything. And I was getting ready, I wanted to go out and for some reason it was just, it was hell bent on cleaning my gutters, whatever. I, I don't know why. And I'm like, like I gotta clean my gutters. And I'm like, okay. So I'm in my garage and I hear this buzzing sound and I'm thinking, I have a refrigerator in my garage. I'm at this point, I'm thinking it's the refrigerator something's wrong with the refrigerator. So I'm like, where the hell is this noise coming from? This buzzing noise. And I have two windows in my garage that overlook the front yard. And I happen to look over and there's there's curtains on. At the time there was curtains on, now there's shades. I look over, I'm like, it sounds like it's coming. And I open the windows up and this is something out of the Amityville horror. There is literally about two to three hundred black flies in my window on the inside. Oh my gosh. On the inside, and I, I've heard this before, you know, about the flies and stuff, and these demonic-type hauntings, or these, you know, darker-type hauntings. I'm like, there's no way I'm seeing this right now. This is not happening. This, this, this is something out of a movie. There's no way. So I'm like, I open the garage door up, and I get the bugs, you know, this. I find some Raid and some bugs around. I spray all these damn things. I'm like, what the hell was that? You know, and they're all dead on the floor. I come back in like a half hour later. Yeah, after the place airs out, they're all dead on the floor. I squeak them up. I yeah, throw them away. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy. This is, it was just an infestation. I don't know. I get up the next day and come back. And there's about an hour, two, three hundred black flies in my Are garage. You
1: serious? Yes. That on the, is.
0: On the windows. There's no reason for them to be there. There's no trash cans. There's no nothing. I've never had a problem with flies since then, before that or now. Um and it was just one of those things that kept going on. It happened like that for about two weeks, on and off. Where these, where they, and at one point they were in this office I'm, I'm in right now doing this interview. I came in his office like they weren't in the garage. One day I got up, I was like, oh shit, finally this whatever it is, I'm, it's getting better. It's going, it's leaving. I come in this office, it's about you know seven eight o'clock in the morning, and they're in this office on the, these windows that are right from me right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this went on for this went on for almost three or four weeks. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. I would be panicking. <laughs> I would I was, be like, oh my gosh.
0: I was. I was. I'm trying to hide it from my family because I don't want them to fuck to uh you, you know decurs, care.
1: it's fine. We're we're F friend, bomb friendly.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I try to hire from my family, you know, because I didn't want them, you know, getting worried and all this stuff and um Yeah, it's just like, it it was crazy. I started reaching out to people in the community that I knew, you know, who who dealt with stuff like this before. And I don't think they realized how bad it was, you know, the way I was explaining it because I wasn't trying to, you know, make it sound too bad. And um, yeah, it's just like, it was, uh, it was a lot of reaching out to people to get rid of it, who I knew, different things. And, you know, praying, just, you know, find God, yeah.
1: Now, was that your first and last time something ever followed you home or have you had stuff follow you home after that experience?
0: Not to my knowledge, nothing has followed me home since before, Yes, before that or since that. I mean, we did have one thing that happened here when we first moved in. We've been here for 12 years in this house and this is way before that. I mean, we had a sound like a little girl in the house, but the thing was no one had ever passed away here. Um, to our, yeah, it's, it's not, at least it's not recorded. Uh, and it was an older couple who owned the house, um, who I bought the house from and they moved out. I think what it was like a month after we moved out, the lady who owned the house, uh, she had dementia and, uh, mm-hmm. she passed away literally about three or four weeks after we, yeah, she moved out. And I think it may have been her coming back as like a child form, yeah. Uh, and but she was only around for maybe a week or so. You, My kids were the first to hear her. Then my wife. Uh, and then one morning, I'm like, you guys are crazy. There's nothing here. And one morning, I was up getting I'm ready for work. One morning, i never forget. It's like 4.35 o'clock in the morning. I walk out into my kitchen, and I'm making breakfast. And I literally started walking over to like of the dining areas. And I hear a little girl singing and humming, just sitting in the corner. and. I literally froze in my tracks. It sounded like, you know, if you'd walk in on a child who's just playing, they got their back turned to you and they don't know you're there. That's what it sounded like. And it went on for about seven or eight seconds. And I'm just sitting here listening to this child playing that's not there. And uh, that's that happened. But um, that's, yeah. After that, never had a problem since. And that was 11 years ago. Yeah.
1: OK, all right. Well, that's good news. I was like, I don't know whether to say like, oh, or like, ooh.
0: yeah, <laughs> Is that,
1: yeah. that would freak but, me you know, out.
0: Yeah, but yeah, being what everything I've been through in the last, you know, with, with doing this for so long and learning about the different types of hauntings, I do believe that was her, the lady who owned the property coming back in her happiest form as a child because she had dementia. Yeah. She didn't even know where she was half the time or who she was. So yeah. I think she, probably, you know, went back to that, you know, kind of, you know, digressed back to a child and that's where she, you know, came, as she came back to, him, yeah.
1: But that's sweet though. At least there was like no malice intent. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of oh. seems like she just kind of hung out and said her goodbyes and then kind of took off. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I'll say all, <laughs> yeah. I'll say all to that one because that's, yeah. her that's and sweet, her husband. Though.
0: Her and her husband built the house back in the uh, late seventies. They, it was their, it was their baby, you know, they did a lot here, you know, and uh, I think it was just her way of coming back to check out the place.
1: Oh, I love that. I I do. I really love that. I think yeah. that's, it's always nice when you have good spirits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was a good person.
1: Good. Um, so kind of the next thing that I wanted to to dive into was I had wrote down a couple of locations uh, that you had been to that like really interested me. Um, the Anderson Hotel, mm-hmm. that was a wild case. Um, yeah. I was like just shocked. Um, just some of the things about like the, um, some of the mattress, like everything just being left in place, including like some of the soiled. um Yeah sheets and so i don't know very if you want to talk sad. about that a little
0: very sad anderson uh, anderson is one of those places that uh we got on a whim um it was at Anderson hotels in kentucky For people don't know and it's actually not open to the public anymore so you really can't go there i've had a lot of people ask me how do you get there i'm like you can't unfortunately they shut it down um it was only open for maybe two three years at most uh, but I went there and the first year it was open. And Anderson Hotel, you can't even really call it a hotel. It's more like a flop house, uh very seedy place that was uh, closed down in, year 1988 or 1989. Um, basically, the, 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 the um, local community, local um, township shut it down because it was such, it had such a bad name. There was a, basically a flop house. People came there to do drugs and things of that nature. Um, there were several suicides and drug overdoses and, uh, apparently some murders in the, in the, in the building. And like I said, it says it's a hotel. It was only, it's only two stories tall. I mean, it's not a huge location, but yeah, I went there completely once again, like uh, this place ain't nothing what they're saying it is. And I don't think anybody really at that point besides for, um, Nick Groff had been there. And we went there not long after he was there. Um, And we heard some of the things that happened to him while he was there. And uh, we're like, oh, okay, whatever. And so we went. And long story short, the place, you walk in there. And what happened was back in the, the late 80s, when they shut this place down, they left everything in it. They left the couches, the beds. There was still stuff still sitting on the main desk when you walk in the front door. And they boarded it all up. They boarded the whole hotel up, the windows, the doors, everything. You couldn't even get in. So it was a sitting time capsule for, what, 30 years almost. And um, they opened it back up, I think it was in 2014 or 2015. Um, Some people bought the building and were trying to restore it. And they built the the first level, they turned into a uh, bakery. Um, you know, type place where you can buy food. And then the top floor was still the hotel, what was left of it. And everything was still in there, everything. So you go in there and there's this one room, there's still this mattress there that had the outline of the girl. She was either 18 or 19 years old who apparently either committed suicide or was murdered. I don't think they really know, but she'd cut her wrist and bled out of bed and there's still this outline of her body on the bed from the blood stains that had sat there for a day or so it's still in the building it was still there and it's just like that's very surreal to see like they didn't even throw it out like you know they didn't like you didn't even flip it over you know to hide it It was still there (laughs) and like there was you know bathtub yeah and so what happened was like the owners brought in uh, some experts with Luminol and things of that nature to test it all to make sure it was really blood. And it was, it was all real blood in the bathtubs. There was like, it was like this one bathtub, like someone was murdered murder in it and like dismembered. There was so much blood in it. Oh my but um, this is the place where, and people say like, what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you? Well, I can say House of Wills definitely is probably the most craziest, but this is the one I still scratch my head on. We were doing, like, the place was pretty, it was active, but it, I, I wouldn't say it was crazy. I mean, it wasn't, like, over the top until about 2 or 3, about, about two, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So there's this one side of the hotel, like, you could tell, like, something's not right there, especially these these couple rooms. So we go over there, so let's go to this side of the hotel, because we really haven't done much there. That Like, we were kind of avoiding it, to be honest with you. It was very ominous. So we go over there and we're like, we're going to wrap it up around three or four and get out of here. So let's go over there. So we're over there and we're doing, Um, they're, they're running a, um an echo box. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's basically like a phone app. Um, okay. It's like,
1: Similar to like a spirit box. So they know sometimes yeah, they have the spirit, spirit box, spirit- like a necro, what is it Well, called? yeah, it's, necro-
0: it's a spirit box that's, you know, you can download the app echo box, which it's been, it's like the original. Um, it's, it's, it was very good at the time. I don't know about them now. I've, I haven't used one in years, but, um, they were using the echo box and they had the speaker set up. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty loud. And we were asking these weird questions and like, there's four of us in the room and it's like, everybody's getting kind of weirded out. And like in the the guy who's behind me, Keith, he had his uh, camcorder and he's like, man, he said, I just feel weird. I said, what's up? And he said, and he he jumps, he's like, dude, something just felt like something bit me. Like, what are you talking about? So he turns around and down on his calf, in between his calf and his thigh, there's bite marks. Look like human bite marks. Um, well, okay, crazy, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's like, dude, I gotta get out of this room. I said, yeah, we'll definitely get out of the room. And I said, let's start wrapping this up because the two girls were with us, we're part of the team, we're acting really weird. And they started bickering. So I was like, "You guys get get out of here. Let's go. Let's pack it up and go because this is crazy." And then all of a sudden, this echo box, which it can't do. It, it is, there's no way possible this thing could do this. It's not. It's not even. It's not set up for that. It started reciting the Lord's Prayer backwards.
1: What?
0: And but we didn't pick up on at first. Like it would. It, there would be a number in it. Like it'd be. 10 and it'd be it would say it'd start saying the Lord's Prayer, like is that the Lord's Prayer? But is it saying backwards? And then it'd be a nine and it kept doing this for about four or five minutes where it got down to like you know six. You hear the number six and then you hear the number five and a four. And it's just me and the one girl in the room and she's in her like a, in the corner in a rock chair. I said, Hey, you, you got to get up, let's go. And she kept she was acting really weird. And we do a two and then she kept looking over my left shoulder into this doorway that led into another room that was in the room. And she's like, she's kept looking over. Me. I said, what are you looking at? And I kept looking. It's pitch black in this place. I have a flashlight down in front of me. And next thing I know, I hear boom, 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 something running toward me from my left hand side. I stand up out of the chair I'm sitting in. And next thing I know, I look in front of me and there's like a flash of energy. That basically threw me across probably six or seven feet across the room. The chair I was sitting in kind of followed with me, and I landed on it and basically smashed the chair. It was it was flattened underneath of me. It was an old like kitchen chair. I mean, it wasn't that great anyway. But I actually, I mean, I laid the chair out and I was on top of it. So whatever this bird and I can't explain it. It wasn't like I felt wasn't like i felt hands on me or anything like that but it kind was,
1: of like a potato gun motion like a big blast of air type yeah, thing
0: like a blast of energy and i saw a flash of light almost and next thing i know i'm looking up you know at the ceiling and i'm reaching for my flashlight because it's dark and air and you can't see anything i'm reaching and i can hear the guy keith who i was with running down the hallway because he heard me hit the floor and he comes running into the room as I grab the flashlight. he's like, "What, you know, what the hell was that? What was that noise? I'm like he sees me laying on the ground, like, get up." He said, like, "What happened?" I explained to him. So that was, yeah, that's and then after that we left. we just we grabbed everything, got out to the cars, and we just left. We didn't even say goodbye or anything. It was just like, we're going. We're done. Um yeah. but that was that was the one where I had hands laid on me, yeah,
1: oh my gosh, I feel like. I got the chilies just when you were talking about the Lord's prayer and how that started happening. And then the fact that like, I feel like just the part even where you said you heard something running up and like, that would have freaked me out. I would have had to have changed my pants. I would have shit myself. (laughs) I would be in bad condition. Like that is that I think scares me more (laughs) than, than the will's house. That freaks me out. That is so scary. How do you yeah. so? How do you come back from something like that? Like I always watch these shows, and I'm like,
0: "Well, I actually went back um, like two months later because I wanted to recreate what happened. Like, there's no, i was like, there's no way this happened, and there's more to it that happened. Um, there's 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 some stuff I left out that led up to it, and there's some stuff you know after that that happened. But um, I went back, but this time I took different people with me just to see if it was like one of the people there who was setting this type of energy off. And quite honestly, we didn't have, like almost anything happen the second time we went. We went all the way back, I I was like, I have to go back to this place and figure out what the hell is going on. And now we did do some history on the building and we found out the caretaker or the guy who was running the hotel for the owners at the time, he was into black magic, he was doing black Mm -hmm. magic. We'd actually found um, the second time we went there, we started looking around and like at some of the old furniture and like pictures and mirrors and stuff on the wall. And we found sigils that were written on the back of them from what his time there. So he was doing black magic and things in the building. This was, you know, supposedly this was documented. We started finding, you know, getting people you know, we we're, were talking about it and, and seeing some of the history of it. And um, he was very, he supposedly very abusive person, very shady. And I think that he was probably, you uh, know, getting sexual sexual favors for you know for allowing people to stay there and he was abusing people and stuff of that nature and he he oh, apparently very died. dark yeah he apparently died there too he committed suicide toward the end so oh we God. think some of that stuff was probably him yeah
1: that I mean yeah that sounds like it like I was not expecting you to say that he um committed suicide I mean that just makes it even 10 times worse
0: yeah he wow. was, from what the rumor was, he was trying to turn himself into a demon. He wanted to be a demon. Um, So mm-hmm. he was doing rituals in uh, the higher, lower keys of Solomon, which if you don't know what you're doing with that type of stuff, it's dangerous. It's super, it's super dangerous, period. But it's super dangerous when you don't know what the hell you're doing and you're messing with that type of stuff. And um apparently that's what he was doing. And uh it was yeah it didn't turn out good for him yeah
1: oh man that is that's creepy that's really creepy i didn't know all of that just kind of looked it up and and delved into um you know just the history of it and stuff but i didn't i didn't know that so that's crazy i would love to write
0: a book about that place someday because for one thing it's like it's not there anymore like it's there but you can't get into it and um it's it's at least House of Wills is still accessible for some people to get into. You know, if they want to get there, if you really want to put yourself through that and if Eric will actually allow you in the building, that's another thing, it's another factor. Um, but Anderson being that, you know, they shut it down. They were having so many problems with people getting hurt there, you know, doing paranormal, um, these type of parents. Because we found out that with when Groff was there, he apparently had some of the same things happen to him that we had, like his cameraman actually got the same bite marks that my guy who was with me got wow. on the back of his leg, um, which was one of the things that happened to us. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's supposedly people who were getting hurt going to paranormal events and you know, doing the investigations. So they that's why they shut it down.
1: Yeah. That is you have been to some really like <laughs> really, really scary places. I and have. like live to tell the tale. And I mean, that's bold. I give you kudos because I mean it does take a lot to scare me. Like I joke, but there's been certain like I've had my own paranormal experiences, and it's funny because you were talking about Gettysburg. Me and my husband are he we're 50-50. So he gets into the history aspect of things, he's the history buff. I'm all paranormal. So right. I love looking into stuff and researching history. And so, you know, I'll sit down at a little Starbucks and I'm like, oh, what's stuff that's, you know, not like notably known here? And what can I get into? And so um, you know, and then he'll be out on the battlefield. He's like, Oh, the regiment's here. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. that's nice. I'm like, I just <laughs> want to know, <laughs> is this yeah. fact or fiction? Um, but we had a really, really scary experience at the Gettysburg Hotel. Um, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain because you said Gettysburg that you've been there, um, a few times, right?
0: Oh, many, many, many times. Yes.
1: So, what is your favorite place in Gettysburg that you like to, that you fancy? Well,
0: I love the battlefield. I mean, okay. going out there, you know, before you know, they. they before 10 o'clock is when you have to be off the battlefield. So you can go out there when it's dark. Had amazing, some amazing experiences out there. You yeah, with my wife and myself. You know, we would call some crazy EVPs and things of that nature. But my favorite place in Gettysburg is actually right outside of Gettysburg, uh, which is uh, the Cash Town Inn.
1: Cash Town Inn, yes. <laughs> we yeah. went there for drinks.
0: Yeah, I we actually, I've stayed there probably seven or eight times over the years. Uh, one time, we've loved it so much where I actually ran out the whole the whole place for almost a week because really? we loved it. Took, yeah, took my wife, took my, uh, my mom and my one son there, and we stayed there for about five days. Yeah, just bouncing back and forth to the different rooms and staying in them. And uh, we've never been disappointed at the cash town. It's like we always get some amazing experiences there. Um, this little girl, uh who supposedly had passed away there during the turn of the century around the 1900s um they've actually caught, they've actually captured pictures of her one picture that's that was pretty pretty wild that i've never seen before um that they showed me of this little girl there was actually a photographer there who was just taking p- historical pictures for i guess i think it was maybe for their menu or something and um They'd hired him to come in and he was taking pictures. Oh know he was taking pictures for their websites, What it was, and he was standing in the doorway as you, where the dining area is, like at the front door, taking a picture inside where the bar is. And there used to be a mirror, I don't know if it's still there, hanging like on the wall next to the fireplace. And as he's taking this picture and he gets it developed, he sends it to him like, hey, who's this little girl? Cause she wasn't there when I was taking the picture and there's this little girl standing behind him in the doorway in period dress holding a cap plain as day it's it, it was it you it's not like you could see through her or anything it was like she looks solid just standing there and it was so weird and um there had been rumors of this little girl who haunted the location um this is the middle of the day people in the you know in and out of the building but there's this little girl in period dress maybe I say eight years old, seven years old uh, in the picture. And we've had all kinds of experiences there with phantom footsteps, EVPs, things getting moved. I sat there and watched the the last time I was there about five or six years ago. We had sat a a ball, a dog ball, one of these big heavy rubber dog balls on a uh, windowsill, trying to get it to move all night, wouldn't move. Next morning we get up, we're getting dressed to go down and eat breakfast about 8:30, 9 o'clock in the morning. And we're just getting dressed. We're not doing anything, not paying attention to anything. We just woke up, my wife and myself, and this ball shot across the room right in front of us, right between both of us. So we had we've had all kinds of stuff happen there. It's an amazing location.
1: I, and I love that you're like I love um because I talked to uh, John Bullard and his wife and I love power couples in like the paranormal world like I think it's so cool I'm like if my husband wasn't su- I call him I call don't tell him I said this I call him a baby back bitch all the time because <laughs> I'm like I always tease him I'm like come on because ever since we had our little um our Gettysburg hotel experience. We literally left in the middle of the night and drove two hours to my mother-in-law's because it was, it was, it was scary. And I was like, Nope, I don't like this feeling. Like it feels like something very dark. And I'm like, I just want to leave. And I'm pretty sure I left clothing there. Like I didn't, I just swooped whatever I could up. And I, we were out and they were looking at us. Like we had five heads. I was like, we'd like to check out. They're like, uh, you can't check out until like, I was like, that's fine. Just take my key and I'll call tomorrow. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but I like I love seeing like couples in like paranormal investigations. Like, I just think it's neat to have something that you guys can do together. And I keep trying to talk my husband into it. And he's like, Morgan, he's like, I'm not doing any of That spirit box stuff. I'm not going go- like paranormal investigating with you. And I'm like, I just like want to learn and I want to see these places. And I want to know um, not the darker ones, but just like, yeah. you know, yeah. I've had experiences my whole life. I've always been very sensitive. So to have like to go to some of these places and see what I pick up and just kind of, you know, respectfully learn, you know, the skill set that you guys have and what you kind of do. Like, it's just really neat. And to have your wife a part of that, like, it's it's like having your best friend, you know, doing something that you love with you all the time. So that's really yeah, neat. It's,
0: it's definitely fun. to get to do stuff you know, together. We really, we usually don't, you know, it's, yeah. even when I'm traveling, you know, doing events and, and you know, and these uh, appearances and stuff. Very seldom does she get to come. Like the, she did get to go with me back in December um, to a place up in Philadelphia I did close. But yeah, before that, it'd been like two years before that. And okay. hasn't been anything since. So uh, we're going back to Gettysburg uh October. Don't quote me on this year. 27th or 28th of this year. I have an event there. Um so I told her to make sure she's, you know, she schedules herself off to. To, to be able to come to the event so
1: oh that's fun so is it like is it a private event or is it something that you can get no, tickets all for?
0: mine all mine are, are one the people these companies sell tickets for them. yeah yeah okay it's cool fun. you
1: might have to send me the link for that so that i can um feature it yeah, the the podcast because i mean matt will literally he will if i even mention the g word he's like all right let's pack the car let's let's just hit the road so like you know he could get his fill of a history and then maybe i can come in and kind of see yeah. you speak that would be awesome
0: yeah actually it's a it's coming to a halloween event they're doing um uh like a 70s 80s costume party type thing so oh, it's cool. cool. yeah be really cool
1: okay cool cool so um i like to ask this question to a lot of the people that i have on my podcast because i like to just see like different answers and perspectives um assuming because um You've been to a lot of locations. I'm assuming that you've been to a lot of the notable locations such as like Amityville or like Penhurst Asylum, Eastern State, um Vellica axe murder house, things like that have right. what has probably been your favorite more um like famous haunting case well,
0: famous location um, yeah, well known Waverly Hills
1: that i've heard crazy things about the body shoot in that place yeah waverly hills is my
0: probably and when it comes to famous locations that yeah people would recognize on tv and it's it'd been done um definitely waverly it, it, i mean i've done penthurst the eastern states um i've done Moundsville and mansfield and all those places but waverly was like it was just that place it really was it was amazing um had some great experiences they, uh, down in the shoot, like you were just talking about, um, all over, all over that building. It didn't matter if it was night or the middle of the day. We were having some crazy experiences when we were shooting there. Yeah.
1: Wow. I've heard it's massive. I've heard it's like it, when you walk up to it, it is just like towering.
0: Was, we were there for a week filming and I don't, I still don't think I went into every spot in that building. Wow.
1: Yeah. And how is it as far as um like intact? Like, I mean, it looks like it's still pretty in decent condition.
0: Um, it's in, actually uh, like the back. See, what everybody sees on TV and pictures—that's the back of the building. The okay. Back. Yeah, everyone thinks that's the front. It's not. That's actually the back of the building. Uh, the okay. front of the building actually has like doors, and it looks kind of like a medieval castle almost. Uh, there's gargoyles and all this stuff. Um they've done a lot to the building and like, there's also like a part of the building you do not see. It's so big. Like you just see that, that back part. Well, there's actually a whole nother run that goes down the side of the building. Like it's three or four stories high as well. And you don't see, and that part's all like enclosed. It's got windows and doors. Um, they actually have it set up for a haunted house all the time. Like they run these, uh, Halloween type things there. Um, so you have all like the the props and stuff in that part of the building uh down in the basement in the in the front corridor. But I didn't um, even know
1: that they did that. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of like a like a lot of investigations take place there. I didn't know that they kind of do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. We were actually we were there, we were filming there and they were just getting ready this that year uh to start. To, we actually just left the weekend, they started their, their Halloween event. But, um, yeah, it's all set up. It's got caskets and all kinds of crazy stuff there. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's clean. It's well put together. Now the, the part that you see, got you, the guys, you, you know, the stuff you see the pictures of that's all open. Like there's no windows, there's no doors or anything like you. It's just open. So if it's winter, it's cold up there. Like it's all open. Like there's no windows, nothing. It's just open rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all like the big, the really amazing, cool activity happens up there. Uh, on those four levels, it's it's insane. Like it's just you're you're seeing things. Like you know, did I just see that? Did I just see a man walk in front of me, dressed like from the nineteen thirties? Did I just see that? Am I? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's it's probably the most active location. Like where you're seeing these shadow figures or I call them shadow anomalies because they all don't look like figures. They're, some of them are just black masses, um, just going from room to room, back and forth, even during the day, middle of the day. It's just like a busy hospital that's still running.
1: That's that's really cool. Kind of like yeah. frozen in time. So <laughs> I mean, you, go ahead, sorry.
0: It, I mean, it was so big it, during its day, it had its own zip code. Wow. People like, even the doctors and nurses that worked there, they lived there. The orderlies, they all lived there because they had to, because at that point with T B, if you if you were an orderly or a doctor or a nurse, you probably had it also, or you were exposed to it, or you could give it to other people. So you had to live there. It had its own post office and everything. Yeah.
1: That's so like strange because like then you're like it's almost kind of I mean essentially kind of like you're condemned there like you can't like you kind of are like okay if you're going to enter this place it's kind of an unsigned contract that you're most likely going to die here that's crazy. Yeah
0: yeah pretty much Uh, and a lot of people did die there I don't even know if they have the exact numbers it was well over 50,000 people died there it yeah a lot of people died there and uh, some of the hospitals no longer there some of the property had it had, you know, falling into disarray and it had been tore down. But the death tunnel, the death chute or whatever you want to call it, it actually leads down to these old railroad tracks where they used to bring tr- the train cars in. They load the bodies up on the train car so no one saw them during the day and they would take them out that way. It's that that, that death tunnel is probably close to a football field long, if not longer.
1: It looks yeah. really, really scary because it just like goes down to straight pitch black. Or- to
0: walk it. Like you're walking down, you're like you feel like you're never getting to the end. It like just keeps going and going, and like coming back's worse because you're having to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I
1: would be like, I am not physically fit enough to be doing this right now. I need to take a break halfway.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild. It's a wild experience, and it was it was such a, a blessing and and uh, to go there and um, a very honor to be able to you know film a TV show there. It was crazy
1: i mean that sounds really cool um i've always like i said the body shoe always intrigued me because every show that i saw it on it just looked so ominous and I, again i just <laughs> I give you guys kudos because i'm like i don't know that i could just like stare down into that and be like all right yeah i'm gonna trek this for like my, yeah. i don't even know how long <laughs> miles it seems like miles yeah, um, it's
0: a football field so it's 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 pretty deep yeah yeah it, it, it comes down to a dead end where there's two swinging doors that are all like welded shut and everything but uh it's pretty wild yeah
1: did you like feel anything like the energy i'm sure the energy in there is i like is it well, buzzing yeah. heavy
0: well we heard like some of the craziest stuff when we were down there i was down there with uh Kristen, uh Kristen lumen and we were filming a scene down there and at one point something on like so there's you have on the in the, in the tunnel you have the steps there on the one side to the left like if you're looking down it and on the right side it's probably about four to five foot wide just straight concrete like well they used to slide stuff down the caskets and things uh or the you know, the dollies and you can do either or and um so I'm standing on like the ramp side and Kristen's kind of standing on the stairs, like on like a little ledge. And at one point, like we set up these, uh, these sensors, these, uh, motion detectors on the stairs. Like we put one, probably 30 or 40 feet up another one, another one, another one. And then we had some EDIs set up in between. And at one point we hear something run up the steps, and setting all the sensors off, it went past us, and you could hear it, like, do, 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 and all went to the top where we had the last sensor set up, set them all off, and then came back, do, 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 and set them all off again.
1: What? That that would be, like, I I don't know if I'd be scared or if I would be, like, enamored, like, just standing there, like, wow, okay, like, that yeah, was...
0: Yeah, I, I was definitely enamored. I was, I mean, I've been someone... Crap! That didn't bother me. That was awesome. I like seeing that. You know, like, because uh, I asked. You know, one of I can't remember if it was her or, or myself. We asked for something. You know, hey, if you're here, go up and down. we got these set up. It did it for us. It was like on on command. Like, okay, well, that's cool, intelligent. Cool. Yeah, it's like it let us know. Hey, I'm here. I'm you know doing my song and dance for you. It's free. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah.
1: So since you, since you kind of touched upon equipment a little bit, um, I definitely want to pick your brain. Like what, um, what are some of your favorite strategies or equipment that you use when investigating? Um, I know kind of like the newer thing that a lot of people like is like the spirit box. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's where they kind of like take out your senses. It's like blindfold; they put the um, earphones on you and kind of ask questions, and then you answer. Well, I forget, I forget what that's yeah, called. Yeah, but-
0: uh, the, um, well, they, there's a couple different names for it. There's the Delco experiment, and there's uh, uh, I forget what the other one they call it um, off the top of my head. I can't remember. Uh, but the Delco is basically the same thing. They put you put the noise canceling headphones on, these goggles on, so you can't see, and then there's a spirit box or you know echo box whatever talking to you that you can hear and you're answering it out loud or you're or you're not you know something like that to that nature um but when it comes to equipment I'm, like i try to stay more to the scientific side of things uh i like using you know a good you know camcorder. i use a body cam a lot um okay. for video, you know, a good audio recorder like a zoom i use for uh to pick up EVPs and things of that nature. Um, I use the EDI, which is
1: an all-in-one tool basically. It does, uh, matter of fact, I got one right here. Oh, yay, we get to actually see one up close.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) I use this at my events and stuff. So you got this right here, basically. This is body cam I use. Okay. Same thing, you know, your first responder, then police, everything you use. Just turn it on. I've caught some of my best evidence with that thing. Um, That's That's smart. That's where I caught the full body apparition in uh, Alaska. Wow. Uh, EDI, which is this, it's basically an all in one tool. So that's what it looks like. It's got a little slot up top here for your memory card to go in so you can pull it out. on your laptop and kind of track what you capture so you have um it's a recording device so you got temperature decrease increase you have pressure humidity um down here you have a vibration with the gfo basically and this is your emf um you can use them all at once or you can use them individually separately uh so you know when this thing's going off it's really well shielded so walkie-talkie cell phone like text and stuff of that nature do not set this off like it will like a REM pod or something of that nature this thing is like foolproof and it's it's very awesome to have because when you're getting like pressure hits or the EMF for no reason quite possibly you're in contact with something
1: that's really neat I've never um, heard about that or even seen that before so thanks for teaching me about that yeah Really? Yeah, you know, but it a- might also be my lack of knowledge because I'm just good old, you know. Like I know about like dowsing rods. I know about EMF. I know like I know okay an okay amount, but things have changed.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of things have changed over the last five or six years, especially. Um, we actually introduced these on our show for the first time um and they uh they really blew up people loved them and started using them like everywhere i go like all these different you know um appearances and events i go to now it's like it's so weird because the stuff you used to see four or five years ago just rem pods and k2s and things of that nature the, the old school stuff but you go now it's all you see these the edis you see body cams you see like the zoom recorders people are actually leaning more towards the scientific end of the business which is nice to say because you're cutting out all that you know possible contamination with equipment that's you know not to say it's bad but it's 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 more for uh shits and giggles
1: yeah more accurate results that you're getting with that i mean it's just yeah. kind of undisputable which I think is really important, especially in the supernatural community, because there's so many skeptics and, oh, well, that could be picking up this or. So, I mean, that's really cool. I'm going to have to look more into that.
0: Well, yeah. And, and the nice thing about that piece of equipment right there is if you say if you're getting, you know, you're hearing footsteps or you're getting movement, you're hearing it with your own ear and stuff. And you're getting hits on this, say you're getting pressure hits or, you know, EMF. You can actually take the memory card out when you're done and match it up to correlate with the, the experiences you were having. So when you put that on your, your laptop or your computer, it gives you a graph. It tells you the time and when it's hitting and what's hitting. Like, you know, my humidity was here, my pressure was here, my EMF was here. It's like a graph, like a like a heart chart almost.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm like, I feel like I need to definitely delve more into um, like investigational tools because I am behind the ball.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I always tell people too. I mean, the only thing you really need is yourself and a good piece of audio you know, a good recorder, like a, you know, an audio recorder, even like a cheap, some of the cheaper ones are not that bad. And, you know, a, a video camera, really, it's all you need. You don't need to go, people don't need to go and, and you know blow hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on all this equipment that half the time you don't use you'll get it and you it'll break or it um you don't understand why it's you know giving these false readings and things of that nature and you end up just throwing it under your desk like here where I have all this equipment that I don't use anymore I show up to the, uh, an investigation with a backpack that's it
1: that's I mean, that's pretty good, though. You're you're working yeah. efficiently, yeah. <laughs> condensing. Right. Um, so uh, I know we're kind of going on an hour and a half now, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But um, just because it piqued my interest, I'm um, just curious, what were you doing? What brought you to Alaska?
0: Uh, we were uh, investigating the show. Um, we filmed there. Uh, we were there for 15 days, I think it was 14 days, something like that. And um, we got called there by a client, uh, a young lady who was trying to purchase a hotel in Haynes, Alaska, or was thinking about purchasing a hotel and was having, she worked there um, presently. She worked there at the time and um, she was having, not just her, but people who were working at this hotel were having all kinds of paranormal experiences and seeing things, and hearing things. And uh, we were lucky enough um, to capture it on film. I actually captured it with my body cam um, on the third floor of the Halsingland Hotel. I was wearing a body cam much like that one and um, heard something running down, heard something running in the hallway toward me. I didn't realize I'd captured it at the time. I totally forgot I had the body cam on. Uh, And I, when I went back to review uh, the footage from the body cam I actually captured this apparition coming out and was basically standing maybe two feet in front of me and the second time maybe a 30 seconds later he came out and he was standing you know, five or six feet away yeah.
1: wow okay because yeah. I'm like Alaska is a very different I mean I guess just because when I think of a lot of the hauntings and stuff that take place or supernatural activity i've never really i mean obviously alaska is no different than anywhere else but i just you don't hear much about alaska or like any kind of um like major notable locations or at least i haven't so I thought whole that was-
0: the world i mean we went there um they had they don't like this the 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 town we went to is called Haynes, Alaska. So basically you fly into Juneau, Alaska, which is the capital of Alaska. And then you have to take a boat ride for about three and a half hours to this place called Haynes, which was part of the uh, Klondike rush back in the 1800s. It was so lawless at the time that they had it was so bad they had to put a uh, military camp there to keep the peace. Um, And so. It was. There's a lot of bad things that went down there, uh, things we probably will never know. Um, you know. Besides for the people who starvation and people, you know, dying of, you know, you know, the elements and things of that nature. Um, but uh, murders and things. But, um yeah, we got called there because they were having paranormal activity. The whole town was, but especially this hotel is what they really focused on was the housing uh, land. Yeah.
1: Wow, that reminds me a little bit of like almost like Shepherdstown, like how it's like town affected. Yeah, um, I think yeah. it was Shepherdstown, right? Or um
0: Yeah, Shepherdstown. Yeah. yeah. I mean I about it. But yeah, we yeah. had we we had a place in uh Arizona was like Shepherdstown. That was that was more like Shepherdstown, Arizona, because it was the whole town that called us in. It was actually the uh, the chamber of commerce called us in. And um they had us uh, do a town hall meeting. With the town and like 150 people, they, they had so many people show up in this town, which I don't know where they all came from because the town was probably no bigger than 50 buildings, 50 houses, 50 buildings. <laughs> Literally, there was all there was like 170 people showed up, and they could only put 120 people in the church we were in because of uh, fire code. But um, it was, uh, yeah, we we were there for over two weeks filming in in, uh clifton arizona it was that was crazy that was in the middle of the desert like you, you you had to fly into uh tucson and you basically drove about three hours to a hotel and then your hotel was an hour and 20 minutes from the actual location you had to drive every day back and forth to the middle of the desert yeah
1: wow i have heard um i had a, a gentleman on um who lives in Taos, new mexico um mm-hmm. and he was kind of telling me a little bit about kind of just that stretch there um of how it's just so plagued with just you, everything from ufos to yeah. supernatural mexico, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah new mexico we filmed in new mexico too and uh in fort stanton and Fort Stanton is actually where there um, there was especially a, a UFO crash there too around the same time Roswell, which Roswell is about 50 miles from Fort Stanton. And that whole area, like we were out there and we were having all kinds of crazy stuff happen. Like you look up at the skies at night and you're seeing shit that like, you know that's not a satellite and you know that's not a plane. Like there was like all kinds of anomalies going on, like light anomalies in the sky. And that's one of the things, it's it's crazy out there because it it, reminds you kind of like a, uh, it was just this smorgasbord of everything. It was like there there had been uh, the paranormal part of it with, you know, the spirits and everything. There is these uh, reports of these uh, Wendigos, Wendigos, whatever you want to call them, these shapeshifters. There's the UFO uh, thing going on out there. Plus, you have the whole Native American background because it was yeah. all Apache uh, and Mescalero territory, um, and they still like they're still you know the kind of running things out there. And then you have the fort that's was settled right in the middle of it all, and it was all in a uh, Lincoln, <laughs> the, the Lincoln County Wars, Billy the <laughs> Kid, uh, that that was actually the the if you watched my one scene where the, we're filming and um i have this dry erase board behind me on the on the one episode and i'm you know kind of pointing out the different locations we've drawn we draw on the in the fort where we're going to investigate that was actually Billy really the kid's jail cell i was in
1: really yeah okay that's crazy you get to see some really really cool places i'm like yeah, i'm gonna live vicariously sure. through you
0: yeah i've been very blessed to see some really cool stuff let me tell you it's it's uh yeah, it's it was exciting.
1: Well, I mean, like I said I don't want to take too much of your time, but I have absolutely enjoyed having you on. I love hearing all these stories and just super humbled and grateful that you were able to come on and give, you know, a little time to a little podcast like me. Um, but I appreciate it. Cause I just feel like everything that you've said today has been so profound. And I think the listeners are going to just, they're going to love it. Cause you had some really cool stories and I'm probably not going to sleep tonight. Just thinking about you being like blasted through the air and like, <laughs> i like that, that story is going to stick with me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really good having you on.
0: Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I'm honored to be on and I, and I wish you the best with your show and hopefully I'll see you at one of my events um yeah. yeah so uh and also i mean if, if i can give a little plug um yeah the like i said yeah we were talking about the the hearts of the house of wills it's uh it's an alpha pre-order right now you can buy it in advance um it's uh, available on uh, amazon.com barnesandnoble.com uh, books a million uh in uh books.org uh right okay. now and september 8th it's the launch date release date and it's available in bookstores everywhere september 8th yeah
1: because I think I saw on amazon it said pre-order um yep. but just a little tidbit that i kind of like the little excerpt that i kind of uh peeked into it's, it seems like a great book so i'm just yeah i'm and eager it, i'm
0: very excited i'm very you know humbled by it and uh, i can't wait to get it out there for the people to read to be honest with you because it's uh i'm very proud of the book you know i'm not I don't consider myself an author in any way, but I guess I tip, apparently I am now. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this will be the my maybe this will be the first of many. I don't know yet, we'll see. Uh, it took, I was going to say
1: anticipate it. Anticipate it, because it. yeah. I feel like if this one takes off, everybody's going to want to pick your brain from here on out and they're going to be like, all right, when's number two coming well, out?
0: The only reason I wrote the book is because so many people were picking my brain about the House of Willows, because I talked about it so much on different shows. Because you always get asked, you know, what's the most the craziest location you ever been? And I always say the House of Wills, and um where people were starting to ask you, you just should write a book. And I'm like, ah, nah, nah, nah. And then I then like I said, I, I did. I always say I'm not going to do something, I do it. And uh, so I wrote the book, and uh, here it is. So two years later, after writing it, there you
1: go. Listen, yeah. like you said before, you just you just got to go for it. You just got to do it
0: yeah so so you're doing
1: the damn thing and it's going to be great um but yeah since we're since we're technically neighbors um you know maybe we'll have you on the podcast again because i'm sure that you have stories to last a lifetime
0: absolutely Um, yeah so you you know know. uh, i'm going to england in september so i'm going to be investigating over there so uh probably prepare that see what that how good that was that's my bucket
1: Oh, we'll definitely be anticipating. Now that I know that now you're definitely going to have to come back on and tell us about it. Cause I, my grandma, she's straight off the boat from Europe. She's from Wales. And I think that's, that's why I got into the supernatural like I did. Cause you know, over in Europe, I mean, they have century old tales and they're very superstitious. There's a lot of supernatural phenomenon going on over there. So I'll be eager to hear it.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's it's there it's uh, it's real so yeah i uh, i feel you there my my family Scots irish so in cherokee so i got a little bit of everything in me but uh yeah i can't wait to get over there and check out you know england and see what it's all about i'm gonna be in london and and uh be in uh york and uh, a couple other places for the week i'm there so
1: that's gonna be awesome and enjoy the food enjoy the try- food <laughs> Gotta have some fish and chips. They're like the greatest. So I've heard. I haven't gotten to enjoy them yet, but
0: I've heard everything's fabulous. (laughs)
1: So, Um, Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Enjoy your trip to Europe and thanks for being on again.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yes. Yes. We're honored. So I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye.